Joshua chapter 1. We'll give you some time to get there. While, while you're getting there, just I was, I was uh, th- th- this is a message that I preached on New Year's Day that they asked me to preach again. And as I was thinking about it, I, I, ran, I ran on Christmas Eve at about 7, 7.30 in the evening. I, I jog, and um, I saw people celebrating and uh, drinking. And, and uh, I think I looked a little out of place and reminded me of being in Durban. And um, I, uh, I watched uh, Sharks play on one occasion at home and uh, put on my tackies and went for a run straight after the Sharks had won. And um, there was a real levi up the road, and uh, there was a huge big party. They'd obviously seen the sharks, and they were drinking. And the one guy came towards me and said, the sharks won, you know. And I said, yeah, the sharks won. Wasn't that great? And I'm jogging. And he says, why aren't you drinking? So I said, because I'm jogging. So he says, you should be drinking, celebrating. So I said, this is why I'm celebrating. And he started running after me. I thought the guy was going to come after me. So on, on New Year's Eve, I thought, uh-oh, is this going to happen again? They're saying, you should be celebrating. Um, you should be drinking. And I thought, for non-Christians, for non-believers, what are they celebrating? Do they know what they're celebrating? Are, are, they celebra- are, they, are they celebrating in, in the right way? Did, did we celebrate in, in the right way? Have we looked at the new year in the, in the right way? All right, I'll give you that for without any cost. So Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm going to to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers forefathers to give them be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Want those amazing words to to Joshua and to the Israelites, but they are words to us as well. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, spent some time with a friend that I was at school with, and uh, we spent about three or four hours together, and in the course of the, the day, uh, he became very serious at one point, and he said to me, um, you know, Pierre, um, life has no meaning for me anymore. This is a committed Christian. Life has no meaning for me anymore. I don't feel like living any longer. I, I constantly ask God to, to take me. Um, I have no interest at all uh, in the future. I, I've just had it. I've had enough. 
And I'm, I'm sure that we've all had times like that when you said, Lord, beam me up. You know, the, the pressure's too much or, you know, this is, this is not, not working out too well. Um, he wasn't suicidal, but it, it was just a sed- steady shut, shut down, shut off. On Christmas Day, I don't know if you can remember the message, uh, a pop quiz uh, for you, if you could remember the message. Uh, Jesus changes everything. I see some of you are sweating. Um, Jesus changes everything. Uh, and he, the, the message was Jesus changes our future. Jesus changed eternity. Do you remember that? And he's gone to prepare a glorious inheritance, a glorious eternity for us. And we're not to live in that eternity and switch off and, 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 and stop living. That glorious eternity should switch us on, if anything else. It should make us want to live life to the full. It should want us to, to live for the glory of God because what we do now is, is going to count in all eternity. So we need, to, we need to be careful how we live and our attitude. And um, I'm sure that there's much to make us fearful about uh, as we face this new year. Um, there's the po- political situation. Um, when, uh, when you turn on the TV and look at the news, well, a lot of people say to me, you know, I, I, just, I just never... I just never uh, look at that, it's too, too depressing. Um, the economic downturn, um, the crime rate going up, world, world events. I must watch my time. I, uh, last time I preached for an hour, so my wife says, please preach a little, little um, quicker this time. World events uh, uh, are becoming quite, quite alarming. Um, right now, 10,000 uh, troops are on the streets in France because of the ISIS crisis. Um, apart from the full contingency of, of police, um, there's climate change. Uh, it's affecting us already. There are droughts, there are floods, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, there might be issues in our health that we're scared about, or we might be getting on in years and thinking, whoa, you know, we, we could uh, encounter this and this and this. Lots of things to, to make us. Uh, fearful about. I better stop now because I see a couple of guys sweating here. Then, if you got some paramedics, have you got a doctor here? We had we had there, and, and they had to come and take blood pressures. And so I have a list list of fifty things, but I'll I'll stop here. Right, um, lots of things that can can make us fearful and anxious about. So let's turn to this book of Joshua because it's one of the most encouraging books in the whole of Scripture. And the fact is that we can face the future with confidence and assurance and uh, with joy. Amen? Uh, you're, you're allowed to say amen occasionally. I know, I know this is the Baptist church, but um, uh, we, we, we can, we can um, agree with God's, God's word. So here was Joshua and uh, the Israelites, and, and they were given the promise of the promised land, and uh, there were huge obstacles facing them. And this is why God says, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be very courageous. Verse 8, you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And he says those same words to us today. And they are wonderfully encouraging, are they not? We can face the future with confidence because we are assured of God's presence, first of all. We are assured of God's presence. 
verses 5 and 9, he assures Joshua of his presence. No one would be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He knew the intimate relationship that Moses had with God. He was only too aware that God had spoken to him over and over again. And during those times, he was encouraged. During those times, he was stimulated. He was motivated. And he knew that he could also have that same relationship with an almighty God. Isn't it amazing that we can have this relationship, we can, we can have this intimacy with the one uh, who created the universe. Uh, the greatest ally, the greatest friend in all the universe is our friend, is our ally. And that should cause us to want to rejoice in God. That should cause us to want to praise God every moment of, of every day. If it doesn't, then we need a bump to be put up under our uh, um, that in French is uh, behind. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 to 4 give us a clue of the relationship that God had with the Israelites as they were coming out of bondage. They were going through the uh, desert and uh, it gives us this amazing glimpse. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 4 says, They all ate that same spiritual food and drank from the same spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. Isn't that a precious uh, cameo of, of God's presence with the Israelites? The God who created this universe didn't just create everything, mankind included, and abscond. He didn't just leave us to our own devices. He was with mankind all along the way. And the word of God is there as a, as a witness to that. And it's wonderful. His intimacy, his love for the nation of Israel and for mankind is stupendous. It's amazing. He leaves nothing to chance. He's the God who is with us. And uh, so much so that this God actually came to live on this planet. How intimate is that? He came for 33 years. Mankind saw him. And for three years he was with people day and night. And they saw the glory of God uh, in Jesus. And uh, no other religion in all the world has this account of God interacting with his very own people that he created. There's nothing. There's an absence in it. And when Jesus was about to leave, he was telling his disciples this over and over again. He was warning them. And they said, no, no, yeah, no, no, you can't, you can't, you can't leave us. And uh, on the day that he left, Matthew 28, he said, I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you. I will send my comforter. And in his coming is my coming. And that word of encouragement is to us today. There's a story that's told about a young boy um, who was very frightened during the night. It was a huge storm. And um, thunder clapped, I think, probably next door, the house next door, and lightning. And he started screaming for his dad. And his dad came running down the passage, put his arms around his son. And his son was trembling. His son was uh, crying. And he pacified his son, uh, held him close, and um, prayed over him. And he said, you know, son, God is with you. God is with you. 
God is with you. Don't need to be scared. God, God is here. God is with you. And uh, he was pacified and went back to sleep. And five minutes later, crash, bang, started screaming for his dad again. Dad came running down the passage and put his arms around him and said, Son, didn't I tell you that uh, God is with you? God is here. He said, yeah, but Dad, I want God to have arms like yours that put around me. And I think there are times like that that we want the arms of God to be put around us. A pastor who served God uh, uh, fervently in the time of the communistic rule in in Russia uh, tells the story in his book, um, Richard Wurmbrandt. He was fearless. He preached the gospel fearlessly and was put in jail time and time again for speaking openly on the streets uh, of of Russia. And he was beaten. He was tortured, uh, let loose, did the same thing back in and out, in and out, eventually his body just about gave up and on one occasion he says and he came to the Baptist College in Johannesburg and he was actually telling us the same story that I'd read and it was quite amazing to hear it from from his lips and he said I was at the end of myself I was you know not a youngster anymore I battered and bruised over the years and I said God you know I can't any any longer you know please help me and he said he felt the tangible presence of God. It was like God had put his arms around this man. And he knew the strength of God as God put his arms around him. An amazing story. So here is Joshua and the Israelites. And they're given this promise um, of this wonderful country, land of milk and honey. But there's huge obstacles in the road. And one of those obstacles are the giants. And uh, the spies had spied them out. And before, you know, that they didn't want to go. And that stopped them from going into the land. There were uh, many nationalities. And they had many um, uh, troops. They were well equipped. There were fortified cities. So how could they cope? How could they actually go in and possess the land? Well, they had God with them. And that made all the difference. The enemy didn't. They had God with them. We're going to face many giants uh, in our lifetime, probably. Um, maybe even in this year, there'll be some giants, some smaller, some bigger. And uh, the, um, the thing that, that gets us down at times is, is when we concentrate on those giants. And, and that's the problem. And that's sat- Satan wants us to do that. Satan wants us to focus on the problem and not on God and his presence with us. And the moment we do that, we're, we're sunk. Peter got out of the boat. You remember how he walked to Jesus? And he was walking on water. Come on. You know, how many people walk on water? He was looking to Jesus. He was aware of his presence. And as long as he was aware of his presence, he was walking on the water. And then he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the water. And what happened? He began to sink. And folks, we have to keep looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Sometimes the giants look so big that they mesmerize us and we're fixated with the giants and we lose sight of an almighty God with us. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Keith Mason nearly lost his leg um, a few days ago and we were called to pray for him. He had a, an aneurysm in the leg and this elderly man, um, it was touch and, touch and go. Uh, they were 
seriously thinking of, of cutting his leg off. And God he heard our prayers. And I spoke to Keith after the, after the operation. And he said, you know, God's presence was so tangible, was so real, was so dynamic. It just, it just so encouraged me and, and gave me strength. And he said, you know, I don't know how people face calamities without God and without the presence of an almighty God. Psalm 46 and verses 1 to 3 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Wow! Isn't that amazing? Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea. An ever-present help in times of trouble. When we draw near to God, He draws near to us. That's His promise to us. Amen? Matthew 6, 6 says, close the door, go in on your own and pray and you will receive your reward. What is that reward, people? That reward is God's presence. That reward is knowing Jesus. That reward is being encouraged by an almighty God. Won't you determine that you're going to make this a year where you're going to become so intimate with God? You know, the more we do, the more intimate we are with God, the more fulfilled we are, the more blessed we are, the more peace, the more joy, the, the, the more life we have. We won't react like my friend and say, I'm, I'm shutting down. I'm switching off. There's nothing left for me. We need to live in this close relationship with God. People who don't um, live in a close relationship with God don't hear God properly. They make wrong choices. They make wrong decisions. They make a mess of, of their lives. We're talking about drawing close to God by being regular in worship, being regular in your cell group, being regular in your, in your quiet time, being regular in reading, being regular in, in praying, and worshiping God throughout the day. We will know God's amazing fulfillment. Well, you, I don't know everybody here, but you might be, not a, not a Christ follower, and you might be saying to me, well, can, can we really know the presence of God? I mean, God's out there, you know. It's like, can we know the presence of God? Yes, we can. How? Well, I didn't. I, I sat in a meeting like this once, and I didn't even believe in God. I thought, if he is there, so, you know, so what? And I heard this message that God loved me and wanted to come into my life and be intimate with me. And I said, okay, if, if that's true, if that's real, come into my heart. Change my life. Prove yourself to me. Boy, oh boy, did he do that. He did just that. My, my, my parents were just, you know, they weren't Christians and they wanted to take me to a shrink because I wouldn't be seen dead in church. And so, suddenly I want to go to five meetings a week. And they thought, woohoo, you know. <laughs> but they saw the love of Jesus and was able to lead them to Christ, and their lives were, were changed as well. But this is the God that we serve. He changes our lives dramatically. So allow him to come in. Allow him to change your heart. He will come in, and his presence will be with you for time and for eternity. This will be the day that he changes you. So we can live with confidence and enthusiasm as we face our tomorrows because of God's presence. And then secondly, because of God's promises and because of his purposes for us. God purposed the same thing for Joshua uh, as he did Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis 13, 14, and 15, the Lord said to Abram, Lift up your eyes, look north, south, east, west, and the land that you see I will give to your offspring. He said the same 
to Jacob, Genesis 28, and um, Moses in Exodus chapter 6. You can look it up on your own. And now to Joshua, all this land, and he detailed the land, it'll be yours to possess. Did it happen? Yes, it did. Joshua chapter 21 and verses 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. Isn't that amazing? Faithful to his promises. But down the centuries, down the generations, Israel forfeited this promised land. They were unfaithful to their God. Time and again he sent prophets. Time and again he raised up judges, leaders to lead them back to serve God. And time and again they just went like this and they lived their own lives and they suffered the consequences. And then God said, that's it. That's enough. And he scattered the Jews throughout the world. And they're still scattered throughout the world today. But in 1948, a miracle happened. The United Nations got together and uh, made a decision that Israel would be a nation again. And that happened. And the, the, the Jews fl flooded back to, to their promised land. And uh, if you told the nations of the world that, um, you know, 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years before that, they would say, never, never. It'll never happen. They've lost their, their, they've lost their land. Even many Jews would never have believed the promises would actually be fulfilled. Isaiah, um, Psalm 145 and verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all of his promises. He is faithful. He's faithful to all of his promises. Sometimes we think he's faithful to some of his promises, but no, he's faithful not to many of his promises or most of his promises. He's faithful to all of his promises. His promises are throughout the word, and that's why we need to, to read the word of, of God. We need to read it on a constant basis so that we can be encouraged by the word because it's the word of God that encourages us and stimulates us, challenges us, motivates us. So even in the Old Testament, I, I know a, 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 a lot of Christians don't read the Old Testament. Why? Well, uh, they say it's, you know, it was for Israel or I can't really understand it. Of course you can. With God, the Holy Spirit, you can understand the word of God, the word uh, in the Old Testament, the promises are not just for Israel. They're for us as well. We, it, they all point to Christ. We need, we need to be studying the Word of God. And we need to see the faithfulness of God in our, in, in our hearts as these promises can, come true. Joshua 1 and verse 8. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What was the preempt of that? To meditate on God's Word day and night. Meditate on God's word day and night, Joshua and Israel, and then you will be prosperous and successful. This is not the prosperity gospel that he's preaching here. It's not, if you do this, then you'll get a Cadillac or a GT Camel. No, no, it's the whole tenor of the nation will be prosperous. And uh, at the end of that era, at the end of that generation, they will be able to look back. And we could look back and say, yes, God has been with us because we've pushed into God. And we've been successful in the whole tenor of our lives. I've, I've buried people and they've made shipwreck of their lives. And it's not very pleasant to, to, to bury someone. And, you know, their lives have just not added up to very much at all because they have not claimed Christ as their Savior, for one. 
or if they're Christians, they're living rather miserable Christian lives. He is faithful to all of his promises, and we can lay hold on them. If God has given you a promise, and it's not being fulfilled, please hold on to it. Please hold on to it. God has given you a rhema word. Please hold on to it. It will, come, it will come true. It will come to pass. We were called to, to uh, Switzerland to church plant. And the people said, no, you're supposed to go you know, to heathen countries. Well, it is a heathen country. 4% um, serve the Lord. And of those 4%, oh boy, so many of those don't. They're just nominal Christians. We went on a recce trip and um, we found nothing, no work. We came back discouraged. Um, we carried on with uh, church building, church work, and um, the call came back so strongly that um, we, had to ge- we had to leave, we had to go. And um, we put out um, our CVs, we, we made applications, nothing, nothing, nothing. We went, and, the, and, and our Swiss family, I was born in Switzerland, my family says, don't come to Switzerland if you don't get jobs. I think they probably uh, were a little anxious that they would have to fork out for us. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe they were just genuinely scared for us. And um, so we went cold turkey. And God had put this in my heart that Elaine would get a teaching job. I told Elaine, uh, she didn't get the, the, the rhema word. I told our congregation before we left, she's got it. Fate accompli. She's got it. She got, she's got this post. We got there, no, no post. We were with the family like one and a half months. No post. I said, you've got it. Don't worry. Don't. We got this message. Family member came and hurried. And he says, this College de Le Mans in, 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 in Geneva, that was our target era. And we were living outside of our target era. They want you to come for an interview. I said, that's your job. That's your job. And they said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. She didn't get the word, you see. I got the word. I said, believe me, you've got it. She went, and they didn't tell her anything. And then eventually she had to phone up and say, do I have the job or not? And they said, oh, didn't they tell you? Yes, you got the job. So she got the job. A rhema word. Kathy Heinen came to know the Lord in our church in Durban North. And um, she, she just bubbled. Uh, she just grew in Christ. She just exuberated Christ. She, she led folk to the Lord. Her husband, um, German, was not saved. And um, I went to try and speak to him. He, I think he wanted to bop me on the chin. Um, God prevented him. And um, eventually he, he uh, divorced Kathy. And uh, Kathy had this word that uh, he would come to know the Lord. He would, they would be reunited um, as, as husband and wife. Well, two, three years went down the track and the friends were saying to him, Kathy, maybe you should let her go. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, you didn't hear God and, and get on with your life. You know, there are other people around. Guess what? Ferdy came to know the Lord, the stubborn German. And, uh, and guess what? They started dating again. And guess what? They got married again. And guess what? He studied and went into ministry. They ministered in Moy River. And they came and they, they shared their testimony in our church plant. And people were crying. Even men were crying in, in our fellowship when they shared their story. She held on to the promises of God. It was a promise into her heart. Hold on to those promises. It will be fulfilled. 
God will deliver. And I'm hearing a lot of amens here. Um, hey, yes, we, we do believe it. Praise God. Right, so let's go back to the book of Joshua. It's a book of war and conquest. War and conquest. They were promised this land. They were given the land, but they had to go in. And they had to conquer it. God could have given it to them. He could have just done that, but he didn't. We're in war as well. We're in a war as well, right? And um, we're soldiers of Jesus Christ, if we like it or not. He's conscripted us. It says take on the full armor of God because we're in war. And there are a lot of pictures in the New Testament to show that, that we're in warfare. Satan is, is a strong adversary, a strong adversary. He was out to kill Jesus in infancy. He was out to kill the early church in its infancy. It's out to kill the church now. In the last hundred years, missiologists tell us that there's there more um, um, persecution in the last hundred years than there has been in the whole of Christendom together. It's hotting up. We have an adversary. We better wake up and, and, and be sure that we, we shape up. Colossians 1.13 says, His God has translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of, of, of Jesus Christ. And that's amazing. That's wonderful. But that's not the end because he's going to come against us and try and discourage us and try and annihilate us if he can until our dying day. And so we need to be strong in God. We need to realize that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord has given the, the promise of great things, but we have got to fight. We have got to battle. We have got to go forwards in, in God. We can't rest on it. And so maybe you're saying, I'm not a Christ follower, and so what is this kingdom that you're talking about? I, I need to know what it's about before I commit my life to Christ. Uh, headquarters in, in Israel, is, is, does, is it the four um, corners of, of this church, when I become a, a church member, am I in the kingdom of God? No. It's when you submit your heart to, to his heart. When you step off the throne of your life and you allow Jesus to become king of your heart, then you will know the kingdom of God operating in your heart and you will know the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words in Romans 14 and verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? It's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's supernatural. He gives us His righteousness. Wow! He takes away our filth, our rottenness, and He gives us His righteousness. He gives us His peace. He gives us His joy. You know, um, if, if nothing excites you, then this should excite you. That you can live in the fullness of His righteousness. You can live in the fullness of His peace. You can live in the fullness of His joy. And it's our choice whether we will live in the fullness of that as well. They had to go and claim the whole land. They claimed the majority of it, but there were still portions of land that, that they didn't claim. But it was up to them. They could live in the fullness of that or not. We can as well. And it's our choice today. And I trust that you will live in the fullness of his joy. John chapter 10 and verse 10, uh, Jesus gave this amazing promise that he's come to give us life in its fullness. 
But first of all, in John 10, 10, he says, the thief, Satan, has come to steal, to rob, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and you might have it to the full. That's a promise from God. We can bank on. And you know, um, if I pull back on God, I won't get that fullness. But if I push into God, I will know the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his peace, the fullness of his life. Far too many Christians are living below par. Far too many Christians are living below standard. They're living miserable lives. They're more miserable than non-Christians sometimes. We've been around to a whole lot of churches, serve God for 50 years, and we've seen congregations. We've seen people who have been sub submissive to God. And know the fullness of his joy. Lady with cancer. Uh, I didn't know this lady. She had most of her stomach taken out. And I thought, wow, this lady must have everything going for her. When I got to this church in Durban North, she radiated. I thought, she must have stupendous health. And when I inquired about her, they said she can hardly eat. She can hardly eat. Have you come across a man called Richard Wojcik? He's on YouTube. Wojcik? Richard Wojcik? One or two. The man who was born without arms and legs. He had little stumps for legs. He's about this, this tall. Even shorter than me. And this guy, Richard Wojcik, um, wanted to commit suicide when uh, he was a teenager. And then God broke into his life and changed him. And uh, he, he took hold of the word of God. He took hold of everything. He was, he was greedy. You can be greedy for those things. Amen? Greedy for nothing else but greedy for God. Greedy for wanting more of God. Going with the full, the full distance, the full length. And um, he is a motivational speaker. He speaks at schools, seminars, churches, wherever he's asked. He's even a successful businessman. He put himself through university. And uh, you'll be amazed if you look up. Um, I don't actually know his spelling. But he has this man, and he's incredible. He has every reason to be feeling sorry for himself, self-pity. Christian, but, but look at me, God, you know. He didn't feel sorry for the fact that God didn't grow his arms and legs. He was delighted that God could use him and would use him. And God has used him to win many to Christ. We feel sorry for ourselves. We should think of this man. I think of this man when I even start feeling sorry for myself and I step myself and say, no ways. No ways. There's nothing to feel sorry about. We will never be fulfilled when we live this Christian life purely for what we can get out of it ourselves. We come to church and we say, I want to get. You know, and we don't get something in the message and you go back and you dissect the pastor and write a terrible message. But we need to give. We need to give. Never be fulfilled if we are holding on. We left for the Baptist ministry in Johannesburg. Came to know the Lord in Queenstown Baptist Church and um, very, very much involved in the Queenstown Baptist Church. We took far too long to get into a church there. There wasn't a church that was exactly like our church. I think some of you might have been there if you're looking for a church in another city. And uh, it was quite a miserable time. It, uh, I stagnated spiritually because I wasn't involved. And, um, and when I became involved, 
And I started taking off again, started growing, and started uh, being motivated in God. As I said to you, we've served many churches across the land and overseas, and we've seen, and we can say without a shadow of a doubt, that those people who are involved, who are vitally involved in the local church, are those people who are being fulfilled. Those are the people who have peace and joy. Those are the people, as they share their faith in Christ, and are vitally involved in promoting the kingdom of God, are living in the land of milk and honey. I want to read to you, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, and I want to tell you the context of this is not the prosperity gospel. It's not even financial. Um, you read the previous verses and the next verses. It's got nothing to do with finances. It probably does impinge on, on finances to some degree, but it's not, that's not the whole thrust of it. Luke 6, 38 says, Give, 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 and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be measured to you. That, those, are, those are quite amazing words. These are from Jesus. This is not from the prosperity uh, cult or, or, or gospel. Someone said to me, there must be more to life, to the spiritual life than, than this. A mature Christian. Must be more to life. I'm not enjoying my spiritual life. Yes, there is. When we do not live in the fullness of the Spirit of God, we cannot live in the fullness of, of the promises of God. That He has come to give life in its fullness and its, in its abundance. We need to live in the fullness of that. When we are hoarding our time, our talents, our resources, we will become spiritually impoverished. We will become spiritually impoverished. We will shrivel up and we will die. We'll be like this friend of mine who says, I've got nothing more to live for. I'm out of here. I'm, I've put the shutters down long ago. Oh, how sad, how tragic. I knew the man. He was vibrant for God. He was, he was my mentor in the beginning. Would to God that we never get to that place. 2 Kings chapter 6 talks about a siege of a city, and they were starving them to death. They had been there for months and months and months and months. And um, they were eating each other's babies. It became that desperate. You know, this, you know the story. Chapter 7 of Second Kings, the four lepers out, outside the city, lepers are not allowed in the city, they were starving as well. And they said, we, we need to go to the enemy. Maybe we can get, we can get some food there. They probably kill us, but we're going to die in any case. So let's take a chance. So they went, and the enemy had disappeared. God had caused them to hear this huge army. And they left everything. They left their food. They left their clothing. They left their jewelry, tents, everything. These four, four lepers went in there and they just ate themselves duck. And um, they just grabbed everything and they ran off and they came back and did the same. And then their conscience got to them and they said, wow, these guys are starving. We, we can't do this. There's too much for us. And, 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 and so they went across and the city was saved. And folks, that, that's a picture to me. Of all that we have, the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And folks, we, we dare not keep this gospel to ourselves. We dare not. We dare not. We'll be like those lepers who said, oh, well, you know, take with them. We dare not hoard the gifts and the opportunities that God 
has given to us so we can face the future with confidence and enthusiasm. We have his presence, his promise, and his power to enable us. And I must, I must rush now. I see my wife's getting, getting worried. When you read through the book of Joshua, you're struck by the power of God over and over and over again, right? Right from the beginning, he opens this, this uh, river, Jordan, that's in full flood. And they said it was a huge river when it was in full flood. They could walk through on dry ground. The, the walls of Jericho flattened by, by the power of God and, 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 and. Awesome power. But the Israelites had to step out in faith, right? And they had to walk through that river with the wall of water on the side that was menacing. They had to go and conquer. And when they stepped out, God's power came out for them. And the same applies to us. When we step out in faith, God's power, God's resources comes out for us as well. We were church planting in Durban North. Um, we church planted in, in um, Kloof, and somebody else took it over. We church, the church said to us, I know you want to go full-time and uh, to become independent. We took 18 members. Um, they helped us for a, a while to be on our feet. God gave me this clear picture of land and building. And um, there, was, there was nothing. Ecclesiastical right area was just kaput, nothing. And um, I heard this, uh, somebody saying that this chap, John Charles, was wanting to sell the portion of land that they had bought for ecclesiastical rights. So I phoned him and he said, oh no, three or four groups, including Jehovah's Witnesses, are after this. Um, uh, sorry, you haven't got a chance. So I said, well, we'll just put, put our names down, will you? He came back to us within a month and he said, were you serious? I said, absolutely. He said, okay, we want a deposit now within the next month of, you know, it's like Mother Church, you know, weren't up to helping us. I was the richest in the congregation and that said a lot. Um, okay, Lord, you know, you've given us this vision. The Lord provided for us. We bought. And then they put pressure on us to, to build because... Charles's group, they were in a school and they hadn't built for years. And they said, right now you've got to build within the short time. Help! When God gives a vision to a church, when God gives a vision to an individual or to a family, he will help you to fulfill that. He doesn't give you a vision willy-nilly. He doesn't fulfill it. What kind of a God is that? But we need to check out that it is God and is his vision. We will know without a shadow of a doubt when it is God. And we'll put everything else aside when it is an almighty God. God enabled us to, to build the first layer, the first uh, floor of, of our building Ca for cash. And we were only a small congregation. We hadn't been going for, for very That was God. That was God. That was God. Satan will whisper into your ear all sorts of negativities. You'll never make it in life. You'll always be a failure. You'll, you'll never get married. You'll, you'll get divorced the third time. You, you, you know, you, you'll never succeed in business. But God says just the opposite. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody could withstand uh, Joshua and the Israelites, nobody can withstand us when God has put a word in our hearts and in our lives. God is for us. Let's hold on to those promises. I can do all things, all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. Maybe God is calling a whole bunch of us here to be Joshua's today. And he's saying, you've sat in the pew far, far too long, and I'm making it a little hot for you. Get back in. Get back in. Do the stuff that you want to do. The stuff that I've called you to do. Do the stuff that I've wired you up for. We can share the gospel. Two elderly, two elderly men sm- uh, uh, um, uh, ministered to me just, just with, their, with their love and with their smiles when I was an unsaved child. They took time to, to, to talk with me. And, and God started working in my heart. They didn't, they didn't preach the gospel. They didn't thump the, the Bible onto on my head. And, I, and the one guy, then a one guy was, I, I discovered a little later on that he was in the Baptist church. And that's where I got saved. Man in his way into his 80s. But he radiated Jesus. Smile for God. And I thought in my heart there, there must be something about this this message. Folks, we can do so much more. Just our smile, just reaching out to a neighbor, reaching out to a friend, goes a hugely long way, more than we can even think. So you're saying to, you, to me today, I don't have much to offer. I don't have much to give. Well, listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6 says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competency comes from God. Right? He has made us comp- comp- competent as ministers of the new covenant. Our competency comes from God, not from ourselves. Unskilled people built the ark. Skilled people, professional people built the Titanic. Okay, right. They did a, a survey some time ago, and they got some people who were unskilled um, counselors and skilled counselors, and they did a test, and they tested, retested, retested. And you know what they found? That the unskilled counselors did just as well as the skilled counselors. Sorry if there are counselors here. We need you. We want you. We're not saying that you shouldn't become skilled. We're busy training, hopefully, in this year, and we want you to come and and be, become trained. But what we're saying is that don't hold back because you think, I'm inadequate. I can't do this. Of course you can. God's there. God's with you. God's your strength. And so you can face this year with confidence and with enthusiasm. So let's change our mindset now. Let's change our mindset now. We've got a wonderful land we're living in. Really, wonderful land. Um, saw, saw an African sunset in one of the scenes what was that film called? There were some refugees that went to, to America uh, in the war. They were taken over. And he came back and saw the wonderful sunsets. And we both looked at each other and said, Wow, that's our land. That's our land. We could be living in Switzerland. I've got a Swiss passport. I was born there. But I want to live where, where God has called me to live. And I'm more than delighted to be here. And God's got a purpose for this country. God's got a wonderful future for the for this, this country. And we need to pray for revival like never before. Let's pray. Why don't you examine your own heart? Why don't you examine your own heart? And ask God to kill the fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. 
We need to be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. We will be able to accomplish great exploits for Him. So fill us now, Lord. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord. From the leaders down in this congregation, Lord, that there will be an excitement second to none. It won't be a ho-hum. We won't come and yawn in the meeting when we are worshiping and praising God. But we will be ecstatic like David. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you would take away fear and replace it with such an excitement that the world will see that we're in love with Jesus. They will come flocking to this church in the strong and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.